If you have ever interacted on the Ethereum network, then you've dealt with Ethereum gas. And the thing is, these gas fees can be the difference between Ethereum becoming the predominant smart contract network or potentially getting overtaken by a competitor. So what are Ethereum gas fees and how do they work? And what can we expect in the future? Well, you're about to find out. All right, everybody, welcome to the new normal, a podcast where every Tuesday we break down complex crypto topics so that anybody can understand. And that includes you, listener. That includes you, listener. I'm your host, Austin, a.k.a. Mac and Cheesy. And alongside me, we have Jesse, the lead and gooneer on the Cryptoon Goons NFT project. He's been passing gas on the Ethereum network since the beginning of time. And as a result... He's found some technical dietary restrictions to limit his gas. So get this notepad ready. I was excited for that intro. (laughs) I was excited for that one. So the show is growing. This is episode 31. Episode 30 last week. That was awesome. Episode 31 here. Let's keep it growing. That means you share it, people. And, And stop pretending like, you know, you can't share it with your grandma because you can because you can share it with your grandma. In fact, that is our demo, actually. It's grandmas. Grandmas are our demo, so share it with them. Share it with your mom. Share it with your sister. Share it with your brother. We're going for every demo here. On today's episode, we are going to dive into the ins and outs of Ethereum gas fees and why are they so important for the future of Ethereum. This is something that is, I think, the elephant in the room for smart contract platforms around the crypto space like if ethereum gas fees weren't an issue it would be a wrap like it would be the the game would be done but there is this elephant in the room as my college professor said there's no free lunch and uh yeah gas fees are not free (laughs) definitely Uh, not free uh yeah there's always trade-offs and so yeah we uh let's dive in and explain it and you know it's a very nuanced topic and kind of complicated so uh lots to dive in here all right so we're, you're gonna learn the dietary restrictions necessary for for you to limit your gas here all right so before we get into ethereum gas um let's just do a tldr what is ethereum um and what a smart contract is and by understanding that i think it'll set a foundation to understand why ethereum has gas fees yeah absolutely so ethereum is uh is a blockchain um but it's also a a general purpose decentralized big big keyword there computer where you can build computer programs on top of it um and these computer programs that you can build and that run and, and and live on the this ethereum blockchain they are called smart contracts and so what is a smart contract it's really just code, you know, um, you'll hear, oh, it's digital promises or, you know, promises in digital form and lawyer, you know, kind of these analogies. And, and at the end of the day, yeah, those are sort of true, but it's really, it's really just code. And so what is code? And so code is, is, is logic. Um, uh, a set of, if this happens, then do this action, or, uh, I want to mint it four NFTs, right? A for, like a for loop that calls the mint bu- uh, function four times over and over. So this is just, these are just elements of how you write code. 
And, uh, but what I would say is this isn't just like your typical run of the mill code. Uh, Ethereum is a very special coding platform because it has a payment system built into the code. Like typically you have to integrate with something like Stripe or um, whatever, if you want to have payments. And there's like a whole mess of like things you have to deal with when it comes to payments. Um, and Ethereum just has that built in and kind of takes advantage of the fact that payments on Ethereum are irreversible. So it's actually quite simple. You you send money from A to B and then you don't ever worry about it again. Now, obviously that has its <laughs> problems, but but Ethereum just washes its hands. Like no, no refund, no <laughs> refund to, department here. <laughs> nothing to see here, nothing to see here. I can't do anything. Exactly. Um, and then it also has this other a really important feature, which is permanence, right? The code that is uh, these smart contracts and code that are on Ethereum, they're, they are there permanently. They can never be deleted. Um, and often you really can't edit them at all. I mean, you can kind of like build in some things that will let you change certain aspects of them. But for the most part, they are unchangeable. One example that I think you provided in episode two where we really dove deep so if you want to die a deep dive into ethereum go see episode two and we, we really dive deep there but an example that you provided in that episode had to do in the real world a sample of this could be a vending machine you put a dollar in and you put in two numbers and this is just like an if statement if dollar is in and user puts in a one get a snickers bar get a grandma's vanilla cookies <laughs> dealer's choice you know you get you get to choose whichever you want but the idea is that you're you're putting in an input and it has an output and it's just this basic coding and we see that in our everyday lives and then this a little bit more complex but it's now on this this computer code based system and and the logic is there it's basically a series of logic and where we're at in ethereum right now this logic really isn't that complex unless of course you're getting into some of these DeFi things but it can be as complex or as simple as you want it um okay so why is there gas to run this decentralized computer yeah so let's define what gas is um so gas is really uh, a unit used to measure the amount of compute required to run the code. Okay, so what the hell does that mean? Yeah, let's, let's, let's break that down. <laughs> a unit. <laughs> so if if we so we're writing some code, right? Um, maybe in our code we need to add two numbers together. Maybe let's say we're minting NFTs, like we're writing code for that, and we need to see what's the next. Um, have we hit the maximum supply of our NFTs? Right, so we need to add one to our current supply. So adding two numbers together like that, that that, call, that, that, that the computer has to like spend work and time to, to do that operation, right? There's electricity powering the computer that has to like think through, okay, how do I add one plus two, like the human brain does. <laughs> and that costs a certain amount of, yeah, it, it costs something, right? And so in Ethereum, they say, well, actually, it, it costs something very specific. Adding two numbers costs three gas, three units of gas. Seems kind of arbitrary. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, I'm sure they did a bunch of work to figure this out. Uh, another example is when you want to send Ethereum from one wallet to another. You know, uh, Austin, I want to hook you up with some Ethereum so you can go buy the NFT you've been eyeing. 
that cost 21,000 units of gas. Okay, so no longer three, 21,000. And these are all set numbers that no matter who you are, Vitalik, Jesse, or a listener, you got you to gotta spend three gas to add two numbers together. And if you want to send Ethereum, it's going to cost you 21,000 gas. Exactly. And the, the best analogy to understand this a little bit more is literally the, the word, the reason it's called gas is not a mistake, okay? Think about gas for filling up your car, right? In order to drive your car from point A to B, you need something to kind of power it, right? And so gas is what powers the car, right? And so you need to put in liters or gallons of gas, right? There's a unit of a measure there of how much it's going to take to uh, drive that car. And so when we think about adding two numbers versus sending Ethereum, right, there's a big difference. Well, think about uh, filling up the gas for a Hummer, right, <laughs> and the mileage you're going to get out of that gas versus the gas you put into a Toyota Prius, right? You're going to get more, uh, you know, one takes a lot more than the other. And so some operations just cost more gas. The more, yeah, the more you're trying to do, the more numbers you're trying to add, yeah. the more complex Hummer it gets. It's heavy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna take more gas. We, yeah. if you have a, a jet airplane, requires more gas than a a Prius. Than a, I'm not gonna use the Tesla example because that adds in a whole nother a whole nother scenario of electricity, <laughs> but you get the point. You get the mm -hmm. point that it's, it's using, it's this, it's an amount and that can change based on the activity that needs to be performed. Okay. Um, three gas, 21,000 gas. Why does this matter from a user standpoint? My, I'm not writing solidity code. I'm not adding two numbers. Why does this matter from a user standpoint? Yeah, so the reason we actually measure gas is when we talk, we've already kind of touched on this, is powering the computers that actually run and execute this code costs a lot of money, right? Uh, if you think of the amount of computers it takes to run Twitter or Facebook or, or some of the, the Snapchat or TikTok or any of the apps that you use out there, it takes a lot of fucking money to run those, right? And, and no different with the Ethereum network. There is a ton of computers that are, running the network every day and so we need a way to measure how much gas is being or how much compute is being used by your code kind of for two reasons there one it, it it ensures that when you execute this smart contract your code it doesn't just run forever right if you if you wrote some code that just never ended right it just go forever like <laughs> it would use all the resources basically and and that would prevent any other people from running stuff. And so we need to stop that, right? We need to say, okay, well, if you do that, it's going to cost you a million dollars, you know, mm -hmm. X amount of dollars, right? And then the other thing is it helps us, and I just gave that answer, right? It helps us tabulate how much should it cost to run this code. And I think what you, going back to your original question, why do users care? Well, I think we're all very used to the comp a company for uh, paying these fees, right? Like mm -hmm. Amazon, pays their own fee, you know, pays for their own compute. Well, you ultimately pay them to do that, right? You pay them because you pay for the products you buy from them or, you know, whatever. Um, and it, this case, it just has, it's flipped the model a little bit and where 
the users are, are, are paying for some of those fees. The, so when a, a person's writing this and so they have, because they, I'm, I'm thinking about it right from somebody. It's like, okay, I run a for loop on my computer, right? I have a little bit of a, a, a technical background and in this scenario, I'm a, I'm the listener, right? I, I've ran some sample computer code and it doesn't seem like it runs that much energy. Like it, it I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm running it. I can run a for loop all day and it's not going to be, it's not going to be life changing or it's, you're not even going to notice your computer's not even going to flinch. Yeah. Why is this, this, is it because it's like this decentralized entity that now you're, you're working with all these computers? Like, why is something as simple as adding two numbers a three? I guess it's that's magnitudes, right? That's 70,000 times less or 7,000 times less than sending Ethereum. So it is magnitudes less. But like, I don't know. that. It, why is there yeah. this quantifiable number for something that seems so simple? Well, I mean, yeah, you're like, and then also you're like, well, why am I paying $10 or, you know, whatever <laughs> to do mm -hmm. that? And, and, and well, to going back to the, why is it so simple? Like when you're writing code, it's, it's yeah. Okay. Maybe one addition is, is simple. Right. But like, when you're writing code as complex as sushi swap, which is a decentralized exchange that's operating an entire order book of like sales and buys and and all that <laughs> those those operations add up oh uh you know across hundreds of thousands of lines of code and 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 when you go to execute something um yeah that that's gonna add up to maybe two hundred thousand units of gas or four hundred thousand units of gas uh, because there's so many operations in there mm -hmm. and the, the point being that these building blocks need to be quantifiable so if exactly. if adding two numbers was quote unquote zero, well then that means adding a, a million numbers is going to be zero as well. So you need the building blocks of computer code to have associated prices, so that when you do get to these more complex iterations, yeah, which really require computation, okay, that's going to cost you some no free lunch, as Jesse's college professor used to say, no free lunch. So speaking of free lunch and speaking of not free lunch, when I send you Ethereum and I'm looking at my MetaMask wallet, and now if any listener has done this, they've they, on MetaMask or even on Coinbase or you see a transaction fee. Why does this sometimes vary? Why, what's going on here? If I'm sending, like, how do we determine the gas fee associated with a specific activity that occurs on Ethereum? Yeah, so we talked about the units, right? The gas itself. But there's the other component, right? How do we know how much we pay for those units? And this is dependent on what the gas price is. And you'll often hear this term. You'll see, oh, 100 GWEI, G-W-E-I. Um, what the hell is a GUI? Uh, it, it, it's really, it stands for giga way. And then way is just some, uh, not whey protein. It's not, so, it's not what you have. Yeah. Some <laughs> historical reference, Vitalik likes. <laughs> um, and yeah, so hundred GUI, this is the current gas price. And so where does that even come from? Um, you know, it's no different than when you're at a gas station, right? You 
you got to fill up your car. Uh, it takes a certain amount of gas. And on that big board, on the big sign, when you roll drive into that station, right, says unleaded 87, 350, right? That's the gas price, right? And it could change. You could come back a week later. It could be 369. Nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it fluctuates, right? It depends on the market. Okay, and so the gas price on Ethereum is no different. It is kind of based on this supply and demand aspect. And so let's dive into a little bit more. Before we get into that, let's dive into what is a GUE. So, and, and some math here, because we want to just figure out how much is our gas going to cost us. So, okay, so GUE, what is GUE? So one GUE is equal to 0.00000000001 ETH. Very fractional amount of Ethereum, very, very small. Uh, and for you, for you science nerds out there, you know, just measurement nerds, science nerds, whatever you want to be out there, this is kind of similar to like a nanometer, right? It's 10 to the negative ninth. Um, if you were to do the multiplication there, um, going, going back to your high school math days, <laughs> watch those, those decimals, watch them. You math magic, shout out Mr. Guido, physics class, anyway. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So how do you do the fee calculation? Well, let's talk about it for a car first, right? So I drive a Toyota RAV4. That, that takes about 15 gallons to, to fill that car up 100%. Let's pull into the gas station. Price is 350. Okay. So 15 gallons times 350 a gallon. Now that adds up to about $50 to fill up my entire tank. Okay. So how do we figure out what it's going to cost me to send Ethereum from me to Austin? Okay. So we know the units, the gallons that it takes to send Ethereum is 21,000 units of gas. Okay. And let's say the current gas price. Well, we're not going to look at the current one. That's uh, not pretty, but the, let's just pretend the current one is a hundred guay. So that is point zero. Uh, I'm going to say it's six zero, so point zero 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 one Ethereum. <clears throat> if you multiply those together, twenty one thousand times that that GUE number, you end up with point zero zero two ETH, which in U.S. dollars today is about six dollars. That and would so be that, we we would take that gas price. We would take that, and so that's where that that comes from. So when you're opening up MetaMask and you're about to send my Ethereum to Austin, it says this is going to be a six dollar fee to do that. That's what's secretly going on behind the scenes as to why it's six dollars. So in this example, that twenty one thousand tying it back to that car, right? The twenty one thousand is the amount that you need, the amount of gas needed to get from Jesse's wallet to Austin's wallet. Imagine we're driving a car in order to get all the way there. We need 21,000 gallons of gas. You go to the gas station and the gas price is a hundred guay. So there's a hundred guay. So you have to get 21,000 gallons at a hundred guay. And now you have enough to make it from Jesse's wallet to Austin's wallet. Hopefully we're doing that trip a number of times as, as many times as jesse wants we, we will help fund that trip we'll, ha we'll help fund the trip from from jesse's wallet to my wallet in fact 
I, I like the sound of that. Let's maybe we want to do a live example on this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> just just so the listeners can truly truly understand that you're not making this up. I just think I think it. Um, I Great think it idea, would, Austin. <laughs> I couldn't agree would, more. <laughs> I think it would be, and in fact, I think maybe we need a just a high high value just to make sure it works with a lot of money. Um, all right, so. Um, I think we I think it, it makes sense when you break it down from this car standpoint, right? And this if it was just if it was a bigger car, it'd maybe be forty two thousand car uh forty two thousand gallons needed to get from Jesse's wallet to Austin's wallet. Um what determines these gas prices? So in that example, right, if you were sending me one ETH or ten ETH, does that increase the load size? Does that how does uh how does it determine what it's going to charge you and how much, how many gallons, how many guay it needs to get over to my wallet. That's actually a really great question. Um, it does not matter if you are sending one ETH or 10 ETH, it is still the same units of gas because it's, you're really just changing. You're just adding the number 10 to Austin's wallet instead of adding the number one, <laughs> which is still an addition, right? Like it's just an addition. And so that is the same units of gas, 21,000 every time. The real difference of how much it's going to cost me is the actual current gas price. And so the current gas price is dependent on supply and demand. Like, honestly, so much of things in our life, in our world. Um, and so if there is a lot of demand, meaning a lot of people are trying to make like execute transactions, may, they're maybe minting an NFT or sending Ethereum, whatever's going on in the network. If there's a lot of activity going, then in order to get to your transaction through, you're going to have to pay a higher fee because the there is a fixed amount of um, traffic that the Ethereum network can support at any given time. And so as demand goes higher, the supply can't like catch up to that. So you have to end up paying more. Uh, and this is kind of your basic economics. The example of gas, I think, that market is maybe a little bit less elastic in a sense that the Ethereum supply and demand is calculated instantly. But we've seen in the gas market, we've seen price fluctuation. And in fact, when we see things like a pandemic or like a, an outage, an energy outage, we see this, this sudden increase in gas prices. So it's, it's, We've seen it in our real world. It just it seems a little bit more variable in the Ethereum world, just because it's a twenty four seven supply and demand market, and that is really the only thing that's driving it. Yeah, absolutely. And so, when you actually go to use your your wallet, it will sort of just pick the price for you, right? It'll say it's going to cost you forty dollars to do this, and and generally what it's doing is it's picking a, a gas price that'll make sure your transaction executes in about 30 seconds. Um, and and generally, just letting your wallet do that is fine. You don't really need to think about it. You might want to wait. You could always wait um, till when gas is lower, you know, whether that's in the middle of the night. Um, usually 2 a.m. I think is a good time. 2 a.m. Eastern time is usually a solid time or weekend mornings, um, again, Eastern time. These are good times to get lower gas prices so you can do those transactions at a cheaper cost. Um, but anyways, generally, yeah, you can just let it go. Don't even think about it. 
But if you are doing something like you're minting a highly sought after NFT where there's going to be a huge demand, right? Tons of transactions are going to come in to try and mint that NFT. Let's say like thousands of transactions, uh, like 40,000 transactions might come in. Um, uh, but there's only so many that can, you know, there's only 10,000 NFTs, right? And there's only so much space on the Ethereum network to execute those transactions. And so this is a scenario where you would actually want to manually change that gas price and move it upwards. And we actually have a whole video on our YouTube channel uh, calling, called How to Win a Gas War, where we actually kind of talk through and show you how to edit these details and how to actually get in the weeds of doing that kind of thing. The, the weeds, that and that is... It's very weedy. The, the weeds there can get, can get extremely weedy. Um, okay, why... So I think, okay, we, we have an understanding here, right, with changing the gas fee, right? You, you, you jump in front of people in the line. You, you're basically, uh, I think we've, we've used the example where you're greasing the bouncer. You're greasing the bouncer to get in front of the line so you can do your activity first. You're paying a premium. Why is Ethereum so much more damn expensive than every other freaking network that I interact with, specifically something like Solana, because that's just where a lot of my activity is there. Over there, it's fun. I'm sending wallet back and forth like, I, like I'm a magician. Why, why is it so expensive on Ethereum? Yeah, so there are two, two kind of main factors here. Um, first and foremost, one is the technology, right? Um, Ethereum can't, the way that Ethereum has built their technology, it cannot support more than uh, 30 transactions per second. Uh, this is like a typical metric that um, computers are like computer systems are measured in how much volume or throughput can they handle per second. Whereas you go look at something like Solana, they can handle 50,000 transactions per second. So that's about a 1500 X difference between the two. So why, why is that? Well, Solana was, was built more recently. So they got to take advantage of all the mistakes and, and learnings uh, that everyone who came before them did and, and, and changed that. So that, that's one thing. Um, and that, yeah, they've had been very innovative with their tech, which is cool. Um, and the other thing is that Ethereum is, is pretty hard and fast about being super decentralized. And so they, they've made decisions to write the code in a way that it, it yeah, that it, it is incurring, it is slower. It, it, sorry, it can't accept as many transactions, um, but it is very decentralized. And, and most users don't necessarily understand or care about that, but in order for, to have the most security and the strongest kind of base layer here, that is, that is really important. The other thing that is lesser known that not a lot of people talk about is Networks like Solana and even Polygon, uh, which is a, a layer, a side chain layer two solution for Ethereum, they subsidize the gas fees. And so what is the word? Yeah. So what does the word subsidize mean? They are basically paying. They are basically lowering the fees. They are basically um, paying to paying your fees for you. Okay. And so what would normally be uh, maybe 40 cents on a uh, on a Solana is now 
under one cent. Yeah, I don't know the exact math of how much they're subsidizing, but basically they are paying for the compute to, to help run it. And this is a lot of what companies do, uh, especially in, back in the Web2 space. You know, you see Uber, right? came in with these super cheap rides. How amazing was Uber when it first came out? Like $6, you can go all the way across Manhattan. And you're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, they killed the whole taxi industry doing that, right? Because who would want to ride in a gross cab that you can't even call with your phone when you can get in like a nice, nice vehicle for six bucks? Like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, and now you're seeing Uber. It's a lot more money to go, oh, to go yeah. anywhere. I mean, we know inflation's part of that, but uh, you know you're paying thirty dollars to go across Manhattan <laughs> or whatever it is now, and and so yeah, companies use this subsidizing kind of way to onboard users faster because who doesn't want to pay lower fees? Um, and yeah, so at some point that that can't just keep going forever. The Uber example, it hits a little bit too close to home. But when you do interact on these Solanas, these Polygons, uh, Polygonmatic, it is noticeable and like very, very, very noticeable. And the your ability to transact on them. And I think it's it's important to note that people hear the 150 times more transactions for Solana. And you you touched on if, it that Ethereum 1500, 1500, <laughs> sorry, 1500 yeah, yeah. times more transactions than that of ethereum and you mentioned like security and decentralization and it it has been as as much as i like solana solana has legitimately shut off their network before they like restarted their network the that you know if, if you can call if somebody can call the ceo of a network and have it turned off maybe something's going on here like maybe it's maybe it's a little bit different than what is going on with ethereum there's there's differences here and there's differences from a user from a price standpoint but also from a a, from a upkeep and from a availability standpoint so these security issues and it's not like folktale that these things can happen yeah, the philosophy is just slightly different, right? Like, yeah, there is a CEO of Solana. There is a company behind Solana, you know, that's not, I mean, yeah, you can think of Vitalik as the CEO of Ethereum, but he's not, right? He's more the founder and the tech visionary. Um, you can't call him up and and complain about Ethereum. Like, he doesn't take phone calls like that where, you know, the Solana CEO does because he cares about marketing and then building the company. Mm-hmm. But playing devil's advocate, right? The user doesn't really care a lot of the times. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, this is a long-term play. Uh, short-term users are not going to understand necessarily. Mm-hmm. So why? So how does Ethereum combat against this? Right, we're big Ethereum guys, and paying the gas fees that we pay right now to just send Ethereum—that's not the future of the internet. Uh, that's 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 not it we do it now because there's so much money flowing into it and it's new cash and new this new that but we can't this can't be what we do and how we interact so how do we lower the fees um or how does ethereum lower the fees i'm not any i'm not the core developer of ethereum but what are what are the plans for ethereum lowering these fees such that they can compete with those 
Solana networks. Solana-esque networks. Yep. Yeah, so there's two really kind of key things there. Um, one is getting moving to Ethereum 2.0, um, which will basically change the underlying tech of how Ethereum validates and verifies transactions. And that's going to move it to be a lot closer to what Solana and, and does today. Um, it's called proof of stake. Uh, and the upgrading, upgrading the tech like this is going to allow Ethereum to process more transactions. And so we mentioned earlier, uh, uh, sorry, Ethereum can process more transactions. And we said earlier, Ethereum can do 30 per second today. Well, the goal with Ethereum 2.0, which involves several pieces and will take definitely time, um, is to get to 100,000 uh, transactions per second, which would be twice as much as Solana. Um, now I'm sure Solana has plans to keep improving <laughs> theirs and it's always like this long-term, just keep improving kind of game. Uh, but yeah, so Ethereum, does plan to widen the road, if you will, to grow the island <laughs> of, the, of the base layer. Um, but then ultimately like there is a limitation, right? Like you can only, you know, you can only go so wide on a on mm -hmm. building out New York City in Manhattan, right? Like it, it, there's water all around it. <laughs> it just there's you can't go so far. And same with this technology, right? There's just only so much you can stretch this base bottom layer. And so it's when we treat this real estate, this high value real estate that is Ethereum, right? It's super decentralized, super secure. We, we value it quite a bit, right? And that's kind of what the gas prices also show you is like, what is the value of this? decentralized security, um, stuff like that. The, the fact that people are willing to pay mm -hmm. the fees that they're paying and still keep using it shows that they, they do value it. And, and, you know, Ethereum in the last seven days has $50 million of fees. And like, you know, that's, that's not a small amount of it money. It shows how much, yeah, how much these people, and th this is a slightly more complex, um, value add that it provides and i think if you if you kind of think through some of the things that we said earlier where based on the amount of code and the complexity of the code it's going to cost more money the cost of this space and the cost to actually transact secures the network in a sense that so if you wanted to attack the network and try and flood it with volume you're going to need a lot of money whereas if you want to do the same thing on Solana. It's not going to cost you anything to do all of these transactions. Like, so this increased price, and I think this was actually part of one of the um, Ethereum improvements in EIP 1559 was changing and tweaking the cost structure for one specific action to more secure the network. So it was like, we're actually going to start the gas price for this specific activity, we're actually going to increase it so that it deters this vector of attack. So this is coming back to the security of the network itself. And so this, all of this adds back to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. EIP 1559 took away some of the fees that were going to the people who run the network called the miners. And when they were getting paid so much money, they were incentivized to do things to maximize that that money and 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 things that necessarily weren't positive for the ecosystem. And so we want to move away from paying the people who run the network excessive amounts of money because we want the network to just be good at overall and not over incentivize people to do the wrong thing. Um, 
And then, yeah, so really the, the real path here to unlocking cheaper fees uh, is, is building upwards, right? Like building skyscrapers. Like how do we get more people into Manhattan and to New York City? We build up, right? And so this is your layer two, um, your Venmos, your, your Square Cash app. Um, and this allows you to transact more cheaply, you know, maybe with less security or whatever. Um, but, you know, when you get to those smaller transactions, you don't quite need that as much when you get into a layer two. And then layer two can kind of communicate that back down to the most, to the judge and jury, you know, the, the Supreme Court. You know, you think of Ethereum as the Supreme Court and you think of the layer two as more of the your local branch of <laughs> um, courts or whatever um, that are ruling on the transactions and, and, and all that. But if like the, there's a transaction that's like, oh, looking kind of shady, <laughs> let's go to the Supreme Court and make sure this is legit. <laughs> and we, we can have all these these decisions going on outside of the Supreme Court. But when it's time to finally validate something, we bring it to the big dogs. We bring it to layer one. We need a we need that that very, very valuable block space that people are spending millions and millions of dollars on and with this right do you think this is the only thing so now we we touched on the details of of ethereum gas now let's just get into just some speculation here right do you think a when do you think we can expect ethereum 2.0 to come out and b do we think that that will really solve a lot of these issues or will it will it still be frustrating to transact on the main layer? Yeah, I think we'll see it come in phases, right? Like there's Ethereum 2.0 sort of encapsulates a bunch of things. And I think, you know, the first big phase of that, yeah, I do think we'll see that in 2022. Um, but will that get us to that like 100,000 transactions per second out the gate? No, definitely not. But it's you know it's going to expand the pie, right? More transactions per second means fees will go down, but that's only going to attract more people, yeah. right? Like, like this, the gas fees go down if no one else starts joining the network, <laughs> right? But like we see it every day, Walmart's getting into uh, NFTs, uh, Pepsi, Budweiser, uh, you know, everyone under the sun wants to get in on this game, and and they're only going to keep coming and more and more of them, right? And so. Yeah, it will lower the fees for a period of time, but as more and more people are onboarded into Web3 and crypto, it'll come back up. And, and so that's why we need more roads instead of just, we can only expand one the single road as far as we can expand it, right? We just need to build more roads. And so that's what layer two is, right? And, and those will kind of diversify where the transactions occur and, and allow for everything to scale a lot more efficiently. Do you and think there's okay, cheaper fees? <laughs> do you think there's a um, a point where it says, "Hey, Ethereum, you need to figure this out. Otherwise, we're going to lose to Solana. We're going to lose to Cardano. We're going to lose to these other layer ones." Like, at what point is it like, okay, we can't. This isn't it. We we need we need results. Yeah, I mean. Um... Right now, Ethereum looks like the rich guy uh, blockchain in many ways, right? Like you see like the best art that's being produced in the NFT market. It's stored on Ethereum, not Solana, but like, right, that's playing to this like upper echelon of people who can afford uh, that, you know, or like 
even even you know regular nfts right they, they cost these fees to get in and so yeah to truly bring millions of people into web3 um like truly millions and millions of people ethereum has a long way you know has a ways to go in order to do that and i options like solana have a, a competitive advantage to onboarding millions of people in the next year but the reality is i don't think millions of people are coming yet you know i think it's gonna it's still gonna take time and that's why we say we're early right the technology just isn't there you know the the belief might be there but the technology maybe isn't and so you always having to balance we all believe in this space but the technology has to also grow and, and catch up to our beliefs and so that's where you see sometimes the prices of things get a little out of control because the technology just can't support it right this technology has to scaffold underneath the prices to hold them up right the 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 hype can move exponentially but the technology has to move almost linearly just because you're developing you're building and although now there's more money there's more people that are actually building you still need to build the thing and the same way the scaffolding of a how of a a hundred story building you gotta build it the 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 cement has to dry people the, like it, it 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 has to dry and so there's no there isn't this upper bound of growth for hype and hopium and interest but there is an an upper bound in the rate at which products can be built um properly so it's like okay step back we're early in the building stage and we're early in onboarding but that same earliness is probably why you know we can't get necessarily caught up in a lot of this hope a lot of this hype because we're just not there yet necessarily yeah 100 and but yeah i think ethereum ultimately will we'll get there it's just going to take time and and yeah i think people believe it is the most secure place to store things like million dollar digital art you know i, mm -hmm. I don't think there's been a mil maybe i'm wrong but i don't think there's been multi-million dollar sales on solana for for nfts and so like put your money where your mouth is right if solana is is the place to be then why isn't it happening mm -hmm. one thing that kind of resonates with me and we're, we're kind of getting into this uh ethereum versus the competitors conversation but i think it it's important to note that there are a lot of competitors for ethereum and a lot of these competitors have similar competitive advantages in relation to ethereum right cheaper fees cheaper fees and that's their competitive advantage but when they when you then look at the competitors to ethereum what are the competitive advantages across all the competitors are they cannibalizing themselves is solana really that different than the Terra Luna ecosystem, then the Binance Smart Chain ecosystem, then the Cardano ecosystem, then the Polkadot ecosystem. How much different are all these competitors? Or are they kind of cannibalizing each other in relation to Ethereum? Because if they all have the same competitive advantage, is that really a competitive advantage? Because if they're all doing the same thing and it's, and I, I don't know, I don't, it's, yeah. The way the thing I always come back to is how do we onboard millions and millions and millions of people? And, you know, do you 
you might not need a competitive advantage other than like there's only so much space on these blockchains <laughs> right and there's a there's, there's room for us all yeah <laughs> it's a positive sum game instead of a you know a zero sum game that's the truth that's the truth with crypto it is currently it is a positive sum game unfortunately right now ethereum gas fees are too damn high but we're hoping and we anticipate that to decrease in the future but as jesse just said right crypto right now is a positive sum game because we are early in this so because it's a positive sum game you sharing alpha with somebody doesn't mean that you don't get the alpha you sharing information with somebody doesn't mean that you do get less of the pie in fact it's the exact opposite by helping people learn and onboarding them into this ecosystem, you are growing the ecosystem and you're amplifying your potential opportunity. So with that, share this podcast. <laughs> share this podcast. That's a professional transition. <laughs> <laughs> That's an episode 31 transition. Share this podcast so you can help pump your own bag, so you can, you can help yourself. Share this podcast so that we can help grow and onboard these millions of people to crypto because we're doing this podcast every Tuesday. We break down complex crypto topics like Ethereum, gas. What the hell is this? But Jesse just gave us the dietary restrictions necessary to know what is going on with Ethereum, gas. And that is the last Ethereum gas joke I'm going to make on this episode. So share this episode so that you can help pump your own bags and get more people onboarded to the crypto ecosystem. We do this every Tuesday. And if you've gotten this far, I think you'll really enjoy being part of the Incubator Discord community, which is linked in the description below. It's entirely free. Come say what's up to Jesse and myself and ask us questions. Any questions you may have to follow up on what we just talked about. But as always, We'll see you next week. And until then, let's keep incubating. Peace. I'm walking around in the circle of life.